Word of God to which we now turn and direct our attention is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll read verses 1 through 15. This is our scripture reading in connection with the final Lord's Day of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. Read the word of God to that point. May God bless that word unto us. That's on the basis of that passage of Scripture and many other passages of Scripture as well. And really on the basis of all of God's Word, that we have the instruction of Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You'll find that on page 27 in the back of the Psalter, page 27. Lord's Day 52 concludes the treatment of the Heidelberg Catechism and does so by concluding the treatment of the Lord's Prayer. Question 127 asks, which is the sixth petition? The answer, not, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment. And besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, cease not to assault us, do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. Question 128. How dost thou conclude thy prayer? Answer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all these we ask of thee, because thou being our King and Almighty, art willing and able to give us all good, and all this we pray for, that thereby not we, 
but thy holy name may be glorified forever. What doth the word Amen signify? Answer, Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be, for my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this sixth petition, you must understand, follows very closely from the fifth petition, the previous petition of the Lord's Prayer. In the fifth petition, which we considered last week, we understand that we are asking God for the blessing of the forgiveness of sins. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's a prayer, you understand, for justification. It's a request that God would save you and me from the guilt of sin and therefore also from the punishment that our sins deserve. That's the fifth petition. And now in the sixth, the next one we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is a petition for sanctification. So the fifth concerns our justification and now the sixth petition concerns sanctification, a request, a prayer that God would deliver us from the power of sin and from the control of sin in our lives as saved and thankful Christians. And you and I know, beloved, from experience that we need both of these blessings of salvation. We need both to be justified, our sins forgiven, and to be sanctified, to be rescued from the power or the control of sin. We certainly need justification. We certainly need the forgiveness of sins because we sin constantly. We need Forgiveness, and we need to be assured that we are forgiven. We need to be confident that God views us as being cleansed from sin through the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore that God in his treatment of us is not treating us according to our sins, but is treating us as those who are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But, think of it, beloved, what is the good of having your sins forgiven if you are not also given the grace and the strength to stop committing sin? What is the good, what is the benefit of the guilt of sin being removed if still if sin still has control of you and me if sin still dominates in our life and we continue committing the same sins again and again and again we need God not to lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And that's our prayer, praying for the ability to resist sin, for the power to stand up against temptation and sin, for the strength to overcome sin in our lives, for the grace to fight our spiritual enemies and to have the victory over temptation and sin in life. A very necessary prayer and a very necessary petition. So let's consider this Lord's Day 
with this as our theme, praying for deliverance from evil. Could even have as our theme, praying for sanctification. But our theme is praying for deliverance from evil. We'll notice three things concerning that. The fierce battle, the urgent request, and the sure victory. The Christian life, beloved, is not an easy life. And I do not refer here to the fact that the Christian life is difficult because of afflictions, earthly afflictions, earthly trials. But I refer to the fact that the Christian life is not easy because we are involved as Christians in a spiritual war against spiritual enemies. An enemy that is, or enemies that are referred to in this Lord's Day as mortal enemies. And that means these are enemies that are out to destroy. Enemies that are out to kill us spiritually. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. And if the child of God, if you as a child of God are a spiritually minded child of God, a thankful believer, whose purpose in life is to walk with God and to please <clears throat> and to please God, then your experience as a Christian is you become spiritually weary because of this daily spiritual battle. As the Catechism points out, we have enemies, three of them. One of those enemies is the devil, Satan, who is extremely wicked and very dangerous. I remind you of what we considered recently from 1 Peter 5 verse 8. The devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he, may, whom he may devour. The devil is spiritually hungry for the souls of believers. And so his focus is on those who are the children of God. He's not interested in the wicked. He's not interested in those who are living and walking in the ways of sin. He already has them under his control and under his spell. But if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you love God, if you confess the name of Jesus Christ in this world, if you are a member of the church of Jesus Christ in this world, if you confess his name unashamedly, and if you strive to walk a godly life of thankfulness before the Lord, for your salvation, then you can be sure the devil has you in his sights. He attacks believers. He attacks those who confess the name of Christ and he seeks to destroy them and he seeks to destroy your life as a believer and he seeks to destroy your faith as a child of God. With this as his ultimate goal, the devil's goal, to take you with him to hell. You must be aware of the devil. You must be aware of Satan. And you must even ask yourself, and I must ask myself, what evil path, what sinful direction is the devil leading me on in my life at this time? Right now. Secondly, the enemy is, as the Catechism mentions, the world. The world is your enemy. That refers to the wicked. That refers to the ungodly. 
that refers to those who are already under the control and under the spell of Satan. Refers to those who hate God and who love the devil. And refers to those who, because they hate God and love the devil, also hate the people of God and the church of Christ. The world, the ungodly who are constantly bombarding the people of God with their worldly wisdom and constantly bombarding us with their worldly ways and with their ungodly lifestyles, tempting the people of God with earthly pleasure, tempting them with earthly riches and tempting them with the entertainment of this world so that by all those means they might lead believers to commit sin. The world is an enemy. Then thirdly, we have this enemy. The Catechism says your own flesh. You could say that is our worst enemy. And that's our worst enemy because that's an enemy that's not out there like the devil is, out there like the world is. But our own flesh is the enemy that is inside, the enemy that is within every one of us. A very dangerous enemy because our own flesh is a traitor, a traitor. Our own flesh is that which lets in the world into our hearts and lives and that that which lets the devil, Satan, into our hearts and into our lives. The worst enemy, a traitor, because this is an enemy that views our other enemies as friends and helps them to accomplish their evil purposes in the life of the Christian. Our sinful nature is interested in and attracted to what Satan and the ungodly offer to us. Our sinful nature says concerning what Satan does and concerning what the ungodly world does in tempting and leading us to sin, our sinful nature says, That's what I want. I like it. I like those things. I lust after those things. Those are the things that will make me happy. Those are the things that will give me pleasure in this life. We have three enemies, three mortal enemies. The Catechism, as well as the Lord's Prayer itself, recognizes that the main tool that these enemies use is temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And the Catechism says this this is what we need. We need strength so that we're not overcome in the spiritual warfare spiritual warfare that we have because our three enemies Satan the world and our own flesh are always tempting us to sin you know what temptation is you know what it is because you have faced temptation in your life You know what it is because you're constantly facing temptation in your life as a Christian. And you know what it is too because you have right now in your life, as every Christian does, every believer does, a specific temptation against which you have to battle. Something that entices you to commit sin. 
something that entices you to break the commandments of God, something that entices you to do what is wrong and to do what you know is wrong. That's what the devil and the world are doing. It's like going fishing. You go fishing and you take a hook and you camouflage that hook with something that is enticing to the fish, something that is attractive to the fish, some food that the fish will want. And if the fish takes the bait, the food, the fish is taking a hold of something that's going to kill it. It's going to end its life. It's going to hurt and harm that fish. And that's what the devil and the world and our own flesh do with, them, with temptation. They put before us something that is attractive. And it's attractive to us because of our sinful flesh, the enemy that is within us. But when we take a hold of that thing that is attractive, it's going to hurt, it's going to harm, it's going to kill. Temptation. The devil's saying to us, and the ungodly world saying to us, this is pleasurable. There are advantages to doing this. The devil in the world that say to us, others are doing it, why don't you do it? The devil in the world that say, it's fun to participate in this activity. It's fun to get drunk. It's fun to use pornography. It's fun to commit adultery and fornication. It's good to lie, it's good to slander, it's good to become angry, it's good to steal, it's good to covet. Our flesh is attracted to those things. That's temptation. And 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says about temptation that this is its purpose. Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's what a temptation does. A temptation takes a hold of someone. A temptation t lays hold on a person and does not let go. A temptation does not let up or give up and Satan and the world and our own flesh use these temptations to continue pestering a Christian a child of God until you commit the sin the sin that they are attracting you to commit the believer is involved in a fierce battle. And you and I ought to wake up every morning in the consciousness of that fact. We ought to wake up every morning saying, here is another day that the Lord hath made, and the Lord has given me, and I will rejoice and be glad in this day as a gift of God. And here is how I will show my joy and gladness in God through Christ, I will fight again today. I will fight against my three spiritually dangerous foes. Not give up in the battle, but fight. Fight against these enemies that cease not to assault me, as the Catechism says. Fight against these enemies that never relax. These are enemies that never take a vacation. These are enemies that never give up on someone. These are enemies that never say, never mind that person, let's go find someone else to tempt. Relentless. 
And so the believer cannot take it easy. And as a thankful believer who desires to express our gratitude to God by obedience to his commandments, we get up and realize what battle we are engaged in. We don't relax spiritually. We don't say to ourselves, well, now I've reached a level of spiritual maturity in my life and I'm all set now. I don't have to fight anymore. I used to be weak. There was a time in my life when I sinned a lot more than I do now, when I sinned constantly in my life, but now I'm spiritually strong. We can't say that. Nor can we say, and nor is it the case, that because we've overcome a certain sin, that we're finished fighting against that sin. The believer ought not to say this, that for a long time I used to lust after certain things. But I'm over that now. I'm done with that now. For a long time there was a person that I hated in my life, but I'm over that now. I won't hate them ever again. In the past I was tempted to be bitter against someone or about something. But not anymore. That struggle is over now in my life. We cannot say that. And we cannot take that approach as believers. The enemies are relentless. The battle goes on for your whole, for your whole life as a believer in this world. The enemy is powerful, the enemy is skillful. As I said recently, the devil is experienced. He's got 6,000 years and more of experience at how to tempt the believer. Don't ever stop fighting. The fight of faith. And realizing, beloved, that that is the battle, then we also confess, as we do in this Lord's Day, we are ourselves weak and helpless. So weak in ourselves, we cannot stand a moment, the Catechism says. So we can ourselves, we cannot stand for one moment. Sometimes we fall into the thinking, the dangerous thinking of considering ourselves to be quite strong in this battle. Perhaps that thought even crossed your mind as we were reading earlier 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10 which tells us of all of the sins that the children of Israel, the church in the Old Testament, committed against God. They lusted after evil things. They were idolaters. They committed fornication. They tempted Christ. They murmured against God. And you read that, and you read of the history of that concerning the children of Israel, and you read of it in light of all the goodness of God toward them, and you are inclined, we are tempted to say to ourselves, how could they, how could they commit such terrible things? After all that God had done for them, after all of the evidences of God's grace and mercy and goodness to them, and that's what they did. I wouldn't do those things. I wouldn't be so rebellious as they were. And isn't it true that we still do the same today? We hear of other believers who fall into sins, commit sins, public sins, shameful activities and we say to ourselves I wonder what got into him or her to do that 
How could he or she be so foolish as to commit that terrible sin? I would never do it. But then you have to keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, which shows that the Word of God and God Himself by the Spirit is well aware of the fact that that's our inclination, that's what we're tempted to think, that's how we're tempted to respond when we hear of the sins of others. And the Word of God says this, verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. That's the reality. And the Catechism reflects that reality when the Catechism says that we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment. Left to ourselves, we would fall into sin every time that we're tempted. I remember many years ago when, when I was a young person, an elderly pastor saying to us as young people this, if the timing if the timing and the circumstances are right for us, each of us is capable of committing the worst possible sins. Even the holiest and even the strongest and even the most mature Christian cannot stand a moment on his own. And that's why we pray this petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First of all, lead us not into temptation. We're asking God to protect us from temptation itself. And that petition itself, of course, is an acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God also over temptation. Sovereign over all things, sovereign in his eternal counsel, sovereign in the work of salvation, sovereign in his providence, and also sovereign over temptation, sovereign over our enemies who tempt us. And God in his sovereignty could, could lead us into temptation. He could direct Satan to tempt you and me. And he could put before us such a powerful and irresistible temptation that we fall into the sin. As happened, for example, with David and Bathsheba. And he committed adultery and he committed murder. God was sovereign. God determined the circumstances. But David was responsible. And through it all, God was sovereignly at work to test David. And sovereignly at work through it all to teach David a hard, hard lesson that he needed to learn because he wasn't learning it through the word of God to him. And knowing ourselves, we know that if that happened to us, a, a powerful temptation under the right circumstances, the timing was right, others would never find out about it, we would commit the same sin. Therefore, in this petition, confessing the sovereignty of God also over temptation, we pray, Lord, do not even put me in such a situation because I am weak, I am attracted to sin. I have a sinful nature that is inclined to sin. I am of myself unable to stand for one moment against 
those temptations. So, Lord, lead me not into those temptations. Which is, of course, also this, that God teach us and keep us from putting ourselves into those tempting circumstances and tempting situations. That first of all, lead us not into temptation. In the words of 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, this verse, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. In the words of that text, in this petition, we are praying, Lord, keep me from being tempted above what I am able to bear by thy grace. But then also this, deliver me from evil, deliver us from evil. That part of the petition is literally, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the devil. Deliver us from Satan, who heads up our enemies, and from Satan and all his tempting powers. And again, we acknowledge by this petition that God is sovereign over Satan. And God is sovereign over the temptations that Satan uses against the people of God. And our prayer is, Lord, if according to thy sovereign will I must face temptations, give me the strength to stand. Give me the, the ability to say what Jesus Christ himself said when he was tempted of the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. And saying also, it is written, reminding ourselves of what the Word of God says about this sin. Reminding ourselves of what God requires of us to do in this situation. It is written. It is written. The strength to say what Joseph said when he was tempted in his loneliness in the land of Egypt offered the pleasure of a sexual relationship with a beautiful woman. He said, how can I commit this sin and do it sin, sinning by it against God? And then he fled. He ran away from the temptation. Deliver us from evil, that is, sanctify us. Deliver us from the control of sin. Deliver us from the influence of sin. Deliver us from the dominion and the power of sin. Deliver us from being attracted to sin and then pursuing that sin in our life. Wanting to do it. Wanting to do what we know is evil. And then doing it. And this prayer, deliver us from evil, also brings us back to our previous petition. Forgive us our debts, because part of God's deliverance, delivering of us from evil, and our desire that he deliver us from evil, is that when we do sin, he turn us back again to the ways of righteousness. He brings us back to repentance, true repentance before him. True sorrow over sin and turning from sin, strengthened with the godly resolve then not to commit that sin again. That's the prayer, that's the request for God by his spirit to sanctify us 
when we face sin. And this is a prayer that is prayed with confidence. We are confident that God will give us the victory over sin. We're confident that God will give us that victory over sin already now in this life. He will because as we confess in question and answer 128 of this Lord's Day, thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. God's is the kingdom and God's is the power. God is sovereign. God is almighty. God is the king. The Lord over all things. Sovereign over all of our enemies, including that enemy within. Sovereign. Sovereign God. The sovereign God of our salvation. And he will, as he carries out and fulfills his purpose to save his elect children, he will give us the victory over temptation and sin. Because faith, faith in Christ, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. God's gift worked in us by his Spirit. And God will give us the victory too, and we can be confident of that because thine is the glory too the glory belongs to God the praise belongs to God and God for the sake of his own glory and for the sake of his own name and that he might be praised for his saving work in his church and in his people will sanctify those whom he has justified He will do that for the praise of his name. That's what gives us the confidence. And what also adds to that confidence is what we read in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But God is faithful. God is faithful. We are often unfaithful, but God is faithful. And God's faithfulness is spoken of in that verse this way, that God will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but will, with the temptation, always also make a way of escape. That's the faithfulness of God. That text is often applied to our afflictions, and that's correct. Because correct because afflictions also involve temptation. But the main and the first application of this text is to being tempted to sin. That's the context. And that's the warning to us in the context. Don't be tempted to commit these sins that the Old Testament church and saints committed. God is faithful. He will see to it that we are not tempted above what we are able to bear. And in his faithfulness, he will also provide a way of escape from temptation, a way out of the temptation. That way of escape might be this, that like Joseph, we have to flee from the temptation. Spirit working in us the awareness that the temptation is dangerous and the sin is evil. And we cannot continue in this direction. And the further we go in this direction, the worse it will get. We have to turn around. We have to flee. And fleeing from temptation is not cowardness. But fleeing from temptation is spiritual bravery. 
That's one way in which our faithful God keeps us from temptation and sin. Another way of escape is that God in his goodness will sometimes change the circumstances, change the situation, change it so that the temptation is removed or change it so that the temptation is not as intense as it was. But especially this, God is faithful because he provides this way of escape. He provides us his grace. He provides us his spirit. He provides us with the strength of Christ in our hearts and souls and lives. The grace of the spirit that is mighty. The grace of the spirit that is mightier than the greatest temptation. It's the Spirit, beloved, who works in us the awareness of the sin, the knowledge of the sin, the knowledge of how great and evil it is. And it's the Spirit who works in us the desire, the resolve, the want to resist the temptation and the sin. To say, I don't want to fall into this sin. I don't want to commit this sin against God. And it's the Spirit who leads us to say, Get away, devil. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against my faithful God and Father in Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He provides the way of escape. And through this petition, we turn to him and ask him to provide that way of escape for us and our temptations as well. But when it comes to the way of escape, there is especially this way of escape that God will and does provide. We shall obtain, these are the words of the Catechism, we shall obtain a complete victory. That's God's ultimate way of escape for us in this spiritual battle. The way of escape that he provides when life is over. The way of escape that brings the spiritual battle to an end. The way of escape which will mean that we are finished fighting against our three spiritual enemies. The way of escape that involves no more temptations, no more sin. The way of escape that means perfect devotion to God and doing only that which is good and pleasing in his sight forever and forever for the glory of his great name. And God preserves his people in this life with a view to that final victory and that complete Victory. God will always provide a way of escape, and that especially is the way of escape that He will provide ultimately at the end of your earthly life, and then when He returns on the clouds of glory at the end of time. Then the full and the final and the perfect escape from all temptation and from all sin. That's what we pray for here as well. That's what we look forward to. That's what we desire most of all. And we pray it and express it with confidence also in our final word in prayer. Amen. It shall truly be.
and suddenly be. It shall truly and suddenly be because God is faithful. In Jesus Christ, by faith, he gives us the victory over sin. And ultimately, the complete victory is coming. Thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, bless and strengthen us by this word as we are reminded of the spiritual battle in which we are engaged in this life as Christians, but engaged in it knowing that thou art our strength, thou art our rock, thou art our defender, thou art the one who gives us thy grace and thy spirit to stand in this battle. And a reminder to us that we are dependent upon thee. We cannot stand a moment on our own. Thou art a faithful God who upholds thy people in the midst of strife, in the midst of this spiritual battle, and preserves us unto the end. So preserve us, O Lord, as our faithful God and our loving Father, who never leaves us nor forsakes us as thy children, and who brings us again and again back to Christ and back to thyself, and strengthens us to continue on in our spiritual warfare. May thy name be praised through thy work in us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.